John Henson, John Hanson, excuse me, John Hanson uh, brought his wife and two children to Ellis Island. Uh, they came over from Copenhagen, Denmark, and they were looking for a place to settle down and have a better life. When he arrived, he, he only had two children. My grandma was the third member of that family. She was the first member of her family to be born in the United States of America. It's kind of an interesting thing as we look back at the genealogy of our, of our families. It's amazing to see some of the things that we have in our family, some of the heritage that's in our family. And when we look at those genealogies, we understand that. On the other side of my family genealogy, there was a, a woman who was kidnapped by a Cherokee Indian. And she was taken captive and held within their tribe. And that was how my great-grandmother came into being. As we look at our genealogies, we see some of those heritage things. But, you know, we're kind of at a disadvantage because it's hard for us to look back more than one generation and find those answers, find those discoveries. There are many questions that I would like to ask of them. But, you know, my dad is the last one. He's the oldest one in our family. And some of the things that he learned from his grandpa about coming over from Copenhagen were things that he as a small child didn't really care about. And my great-grandmother uh, passed away when I was just a young child, so many questions that I would ask, I didn't ask because I was so young. That's the day and age and the way we live now. What would happen what would it be like if we could visit with our great, great, great grandparents and find out what life was really like back in the good old days? What details about life would we be able to uncover? You know, as we think about those things, it seems like it's impossible to ask those questions and find those answers on this side of heaven. But this morning, in our journey through Genesis, we come to Genesis chapter 5. And here in Genesis chapter 5, we find what it would be like if generations overlapped and if we could truly visit with our great, 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 great grandparents. Open your Bibles this morning to Genesis chapter 5. And because of time and because of these 32 verses, we won't read it all at once, but we're going to move through this and, and pick it apart as we go. And there are two divisions that we're going to focus on as we move through these 32 verses. The first thing we see is the days of Adam. And the second thing we see are the days of Adam's son and grandsons. Before we dive into this this morning, let's just take a moment and pray. Father, we thank you for this morning that you've given to us, and we thank you for this opportunity that we have to be gathered here around your word and to be gathered together. And Lord, I pray that as your word is open to us, I pray we would drink in what you have for us. 
feed our hearts and our minds, Lord God. And let us hear from You. Lord, I pray that You just take my mind and my heart and my tongue. And Lord, allow me to share what You would have us to hear. Nothing more, Lord, but nothing less either. And it's in Your Son's name we pray these things. Amen. Now the first thing we want to see this morning are the days of Adam. And this begins for us here in Genesis chapter 5, verse 1. It says, this is the book of the generations of Adam. Now this is the second time that we've read a similar uh, comment to this one, speaking of the generations uh, that are mentioned. In Genesis 2, verse 4, we read this. There are, these are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Remember how this is how Moses has divided the book of Genesis. This is kind of the outline, if you would, for the book of Genesis. And as we move through the book of Genesis, we are going to see this about nine more times uh, in the generation of. We see it uh, in chapter 6, in chapter 10, in chapter 11, uh, twice there, chapter 25, twice, chapter 36, twice, and chapter 37. Don't worry, I'll remind you of that each time we get there. All right? There won't be a test afterwards. But nine different times, Moses records this for us. And it is just a, an outline that Moses is using and kind of uh, covers that section. And that's what he's done here for us uh, in this passage as well. Now, as we look at this, we see in verse 1 that God created man. It says there, continuing in verse 1, uh, this is the book of generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them, and he blessed them, and he named them man when they were created. It's interesting to me that as we find ourselves here in chapter 5, Moses once again reminds us that God created man. We saw God create man on day 6, but Moses again reminds us that God created man. Man did not evolve. It's almost like it's as if the Holy Spirit wanted to drive home this point. It's as if one day it would be believed that man evolved from an amoeba. The Holy Spirit leads Moses and reminds Moses, and Moses records for us once again, God created man. And He created man in the likeness of God. You see, man was unique. Man was distinct from other animals. God created man in the image of God. We don't see God create any of the other animals in that image. Now, as we think about the image of God, we know that they weren't, we weren't created in the physical image of God, but God created us with intellect, with will, with a will, and with emotions, so that we could have a relationship with God, that we could have a relationship 
with people. God created us in this image so that we would be able to think and reason. That's the intellect that God gave us. And notice there in verse 2 it says, God created them male and female. He created them. God created them male and female. There aren't 14 choices that we can choose from. God created male and God created female. Those were the two choices. And God made them that way. And we read that God named them man. And remember your Hebrew. The word for man is Adam. A-D-A-M. Also pronounced Adam. God created man. God did that. This is the review that he's given to us. Verse 3 continues. It says, When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image, and he named him Seth. Adam was 130 years old when Seth was born. Now, last time we were together, we saw Seth's birth back in Genesis 4, verse 25. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. Remember, Cain and Abel were their first two children. And they saw Seth as this replacement. And remember the promise that God gave that there would be one who would come and he would crush the serpent's head. Maybe this one would be the one who would reverse the curse. As they saw Seth, there was hope that maybe he would be the one who would crush the head of the serpent. Now notice it says, when Adam lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness. After his image. Even though Adam was created in the image of God, sin had tarnished the image of God. And now Adam gives birth to his children and they are corrupted as well by sin. And they come in Adam's likeness because of they're tarnished because they are tarnished. And we follow in that same line. We are born as sinners. Sinners give birth to sinners. Saints do not give birth to saints. Because of the curse, because of Adam's choice, sinners give birth to sinners. We can blame it on our spouse's side of the family, but we all come from Adam. And all of our children are corrupted by sin. Now, last time we were together, we saw Cain's line, and we followed Cain's line. And unfortunately, Cain's line came to an end. They turned their back on God, and they rejected God. And not one of Cain's offspring survived the flood. From this point on, as we go through the book of Genesis, we are going to follow Seth's line. Seth's line is the one who leads through Noah, and it's the one that ultimately leads to Jesus Christ. 
It's in the line of Seth that the messianic promise comes true. So we're going to follow Seth's line. Now, notice verse 4. It says, The days of Adam, after he fathered Seth, were 800 years. He had other sons and daughters. Thus, all of the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. Cain, Abel, and Seth were not Adam's only kids. Cain would marry his sister, and Seth would also marry a sister. Seth's name is given because he is the forerunner of this next generation. He is the first of this next generation. Adam lived for 930 years, and he died. This is a reminder to us of the reality of the promise that God gave to Adam. Remember, God told Adam, if you eat of the fruit, you surely will die. They didn't die instantaneously physically. They began to die physically. They died instantly spiritually. But they began the process of death. And for 930 years, Adam lived as a fallen sinner. 930 years. Sometimes we make poor choices in life. We make bad decisions. And because of those bad decisions, we may live our lifetime regretting that decision. Thankfully, we don't live 930 years. Adam lived 930 years. And he lived no longer in the Garden of Eden. And he saw the corruption of sin and how it affected his children, how it affected his children's children, how it affected his children's 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 children, his great, 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 great grandsons and granddaughters. They were all affected by his sin, by his choice. For 930 years, he lived seeing all of that. You know, sometimes our kids cause us grief, don't they? I mean, none of us here, but we know people. All right? And our grandkids, even though they were born that bundle of joy, and we get to send them home after we sugar them up, they still cause us that grief with some of the, the choices that they make. Can you imagine not only seeing the next generation and the next generation, but seeing the next eight, the next nine generations make wrong choices? Adam's life was not all snow cones once he got out of the garden. His life was, was difficult. Now the second thing we see here are the days of Adam's son and the days of his grandsons. Notice verse 6. It says, When Seth had lived 105 years, he fathered Enosh. Seth lived after he fathered Enosh 807 years. 
and he had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. When Enosh had lived 90 years, he fathered Canaan. Enosh lived after he fathered Canaan 815 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enosh were 905 years, and he died. Now, as we look at this, we see that Adam was born in Ot 1, <laughs> literally Ot 1. He lived 930 years, so he lived to the year 930 from the beginning. Seth was born when Adam was 130, so his birth date was the year 130. He lived for 912 years. So according to the old math, that's the year 1042. Enosh was born in 235, and he lived until 1140. That's 905 years. Now, last time we were together, we saw the birth of Enosh, and we saw that it was there with the birth of Enosh that people began to call out to the Lord. So we see this, this heritage here of people calling out to the Lord. And as we look at Seth's line, we do see some of these members of Seth's family focused on God and, and looking to God and, and calling out to God. We see a pattern begin here as we read this passage. We read the age of the person and the age where they were when their oldest child was born, when the, when the member of this, of this line, this messianic line, when that member of the line was born. Uh, then we see the number of days uh, after that birth. And then we read that they had other sons and daughters. And then we read about the day of their death. And we're reminded as we read, and they died, and they died, and they died. We're reminded that sin and death now reign because of the choice of Adam and the choice of Eve. Death now reigned. Now look at verse 12. We see this continue from Canaan to Jared. It says, When Canaan had lived 70 years, he fathered Mahatma. Uh, yeah. Mahalalel. Uh, when I say it, I, I sound Hawaiian, and I try not to sound Hawaiian. <laughs> Mahalalel, Mahalalel, Uh Canaan lived after he fathered Mahalalel 840 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Canaan were 910, and he died. When Mahalalel had lived 65 years, he fathered Jared. Mahalalel lived after he fathered Jared 830 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Mahalalel were 895 years. And he died. When Jared had lived 162 years, he fathered Enoch. Jared lived after he fathered Enoch 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Jared were 962 years and he died. Now, as we look at this, we see Canaan, born in the year 325, and he lived to the year of 1235 for 910 years. Mahalalel, which means praise of God. You see the L at the end of that? That's the word of for God. Praise of God is Mahalalel. He lived from 395 to 1290. 
That's 895 years. And then Jared lived from 460 to 1422. That's 962 years. The next person we see in this line is Enoch. Verse 21 says, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years. And he had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Now as we look at Enoch here, we see that he was born in the year 622, and he died in the year of 987, or didn't die, excuse me. He was no longer in the year 987. That's 365 years. He was just a kid. Abel was the only one that had a shorter lifespan than Enoch. And you notice as we look at this, and you see the pattern that we've looked at up to this point, the Holy Spirit steps away from this pattern. And he shares with us that Enoch walked with God. And he shares it with us twice. There's a special thought here about Enoch. Enoch walked with God. And Enoch and the Holy Spirit shares that with us twice. I don't know about you, but I would like for me to be remembered as someone who walked with God. I mean, I'll probably be remembered for being not very good looking or really weird. But I hope the one thing that squirts through those things is that he walked with God. Enoch is remembered for a short lifespan. We're told that once. But we're told that he walked with God twice. He walked with God. Jude tells us that Enoch was a preacher. We don't read this in Genesis. There's no, nothing that tells us about this in Genesis. But we read that he came with a message speaking of judgment. It's in Jude chapter 1, verse 14. It was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones. Enoch was a preacher, and he preached about the coming judgment. He preached that judgment was going to come. And we see that he walked with God. His message was from God, and he proclaimed that judgment was coming. Enoch was faithful in his walk with God. Faithful to the instructions that God had given them. How do we know that? Because it tells us twice, Enoch walked with God. Enoch walked in an upright manner, seeking to be righteous in his walk. How do we know that? It tells us that Enoch walked with God. Enoch pleased God. How do we know that? Well, Hebrews 11.5 tells us. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. He was not found because God 
had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Twice we're reminded that he walked with God. And here in Hebrews 11, the writer of the book of Hebrews, the Holy Spirit leads him to record of Enoch's faith in God. And the Holy Spirit tells the writer of Hebrews that Enoch pleased God. Enoch was rewarded for his faithful walk. At the age of 365, he got to go home. I read a little thing about Enoch one time, and it said that Enoch walked with God on a daily basis. And one day Enoch was walking with God, and he lost track of where he was going. And when night fell came, he realized he was a long ways from home. And he got a little nervous because this was before they had flashlights. And they didn't have GPS either. When I heard this story, it was before GPS. That's how old I am. And so Enoch got nervous because he didn't know the way home. He had not been watching as he walked with God. And God said, it's okay. Come home with me. And Enoch was seen no more. Only two people in Scripture do we read about that we don't see them dying. Enoch, who walked with God and who was not, and Elijah. Elijah was there and a cart came by and picked him up and took him to heaven. Enoch is an illustration. Enoch is an illustration of what happens to those who walk with God. Those who walk with God escape death. Those who walk with God conquer death. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16 and 17 says this, For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. There were some in Thessalonica who were nervous, who were worried, because loved ones had passed on before them, and they had heard about the return of Jesus Christ and they were sorrowful because their loved ones had missed out on the return of Christ. They had died too soon. And Paul wrote this word to encourage them. He said, they're not dead. When Christ returns, the dead in Christ will rise first. Verse 17 says, Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds and to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. I'm kind of a competitive person. When I read that for the first time, I thought, you know, that's no fair because they're going to go first. They're getting a head start. But then I realized, hey, this is really even because we have a six-foot head start already on them, right? They're buried six foot under. When that horn blows, when that trumpet sounds, they're going to get caught up with us and then we're meeting together and then we're meeting Christ in the air. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 52 says, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable 
and we shall be changed. What a day that will be. Those of us who still remain, we will never die. We will never die. If we have been born again and we don't live until the return of Christ, we'll only die once. Those who've never been born twice will die twice. There will be their physical death and then they will die the second death. But for those of us who've been born twice, we'll only die once and then we'll live for eternity with Jesus Christ. We go from Methuselah to Lamech. Verse 25 says, When Methuselah had lived 187 years, he fathered Lamech. Methuselah lived after he fathered Lamech 782 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Thus all of the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and he died. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son and called his name Noah, saying, Out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. Lamech lived after he fathered Noah 595 years. He had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Lamech were 777 years, and he died. Methuselah born in the year of 687, and he lived until 1656, 969 years. He lived longer than any other human listed in this genealogy. Can you imagine that? 969 years. My grandma was born in 1912, and there are so many things that happened in her lifetime. Things that changed the world, like my birth, for instance. She was there for it. But can you imagine living for 969 years? Can you imagine the wisdom you would gain in 969 years? Lamech was born in 874, and he lived until 1651. He lived for 777 years years. This Lamech, by the way, is different than the Lamech we saw last time in the line of Cain. This Lamech is in the line of Seth. But this Lamech is the one who fathered Noah. Verse 32, we share, we see about Noah. Noah was 500 years old when Noah fathered Shem and Japheth, uh, Ham and Japheth. Noah was born in the year 1056, and he lived to 2006. He lived 950 years. We read about Noah, and we read that Noah walked with God. We'll see this again next time. But it's in Genesis 6, verse 9. It says, These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. Lamech, when Noah was born, he knew that God had big things in store for Noah. 
look at verse 28 again. It says, when Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son. He called his name Noah, saying, out of the ground that the Lord is cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. The name Noah means rest. When Noah was 500 years old, Noah had his three boys, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Japheth was the oldest, by the way. Uh, Shem was the middle child or the middle of the three boys, and Ham was the youngest of the three boys. Shem would be the line of the Messiah. And so he's mentioned first here, as Noah's sons are mentioned. He would be that line of the Messiah. As we look at this and as we read ahead, we read that Noah was 600 years old when the flood came. So when we look at Noah's date of birth, and we think about him being 600 years old, 1,056 plus 600, carry the 7, add the 5, divide by 13. Uh, that's 1,656. And the year 1656 is when the flood took place. 1,656 years after creation, the flood took place. There's some observations that we can make as we look at this genealogy. The first thing we see in this genealogy is that this genealogy connects us from Adam to Noah. During that time period, there is no other history that's recorded. Everything was destroyed between Adam and Noah. Sometimes we look at these genealogies and we just think that they're simple things. It's just to connect us, uh, not a big deal. But it is a big deal. God has included this in this passage of Scripture for some reason. It is the only recorded history of this period of time from Adam to Noah. But also in this genealogy, we also have the line of the Messiah the one that was promised to us in Genesis 3, verse 15. As we look at this genealogy, we see the accuracy of this genealogy. All we have to do is to compare this genealogy with other genealogies that we see. Genealogy listed here in Genesis 5. We see Adam through Shem. 11 people. There's another listing in Chronicles chapter 1, and it reads this way, Adam, Seth, Enosh, Canaan, Mahaliel, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Luke chapter 3, verses 36 through 38. Luke's gospel, he is showing from the Messiah the messianic line. And so he starts with Jesus Christ and he works his way backwards to Adam 
So it's in reverse order. The son of Shem, uh, of Noah, the son of Lamech, the son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, the son of Jared, the son of Mahaliel, the son of Canaan, the son of Enos, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. Jude 14 shares an interesting thought. It says, It was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of His holy ones. This is Jude writing about Enoch. And he says that Enoch is the seventh from Adam. Boy, if only we could make a comparison and see where Enoch was at. Wouldn't it be easy for us to tell if Jude was right? Four different times we are given this genealogy. Four different times this genealogy lines up. As we look at this, we see how accurate this genealogy is. And as we think about the accuracy here, we see that God has given us specifics. God has given us details. He doesn't say that Adam lived for 900 and something years. That Enoch lived for 300 and something years. That Noah was born and then the flood came. God shares with us details. We can sit here and look and realize that the flood happened. 1,656 years after creation. There was no millions and millions and millions of years for evolution to take place. God gave us details so that we can stand on those details. And when all of that false teaching comes, we can know that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God had a design God had a plan, and He's recorded it for us so that our faith would be strengthened. Because if we start throwing away Genesis and watering down Genesis and changing what Genesis says, how can we look at, Genesis, or how can we look at John 3.16 and say, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. How can we hold on to that if Genesis 5 is just put there to fill space? We can't. We've got to stand on Genesis 5 as solidly as we stand on, Gen on John 3.16. Adam, Adam was real. Just as real as Noah was. There's another thing that's mind-blowing, and this made me yell. And I ran home and told my wife. Darcy wasn't there, so I had to tell my wife. As we look at this genealogy, we see that Adam was born in Ot 1, and he lived until 930. 
Adam was able to see Seth, Enosh, Kenan, Mahaliel, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, and Lamech. He visited with all of those grandkids. He told all of those grandkids about the Garden of Eden. He told all of those grandkids about the punishment of sin. And he saw the condition of the earth due to his fall through all of those generations. Adam was alive and visited with Methuselah. Adam told Methuselah about the Garden of Eden. Methuselah lived until the year 1656. The flood took place in the year 1656. Methuselah would have visited with Noah. Methuselah died the year the flood came. Noah got on the ship with eight people counting himself. He had secondhand information about the Garden of Eden. You don't think that God wanted to trust and give us an accurate recording of this message? Remember when you were in middle school or high school, depending on what class you were in, and you whispered in someone's ear, and they turn and whispered in someone's ear, and they turn and whispered in someone's ear, and by the time it got back around to the last person, it was nothing like what was told the first person. We used to have the prayer chain, and we would make one phone call, and that person would make a phone call, that person would make a phone call. I'm so thankful that we have the new system where one call goes to each of us. Because there were times when people would call and they'd say, how long have you known you've had cancer? Uh, no, I, I just called to share that a baby had been born. Not our family, but someone else's family. By the time it made its way around, something else had come. Adam shared this message with Methuselah. Methuselah told his grandson Noah, about what it was like in the, in the Garden of Eden. Because he had visited with his great, 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 great grandfather. And they had been there in the Garden of Eden. And Methuselah was alive up until the year of the flood. Accurate truth was handed down. The Holy Spirit led Moses to record these things. But this accurate truth was handed down. So there you have it. The days of Adam. The days of Adam's son and Adam's grandsons. So what do we take home from this? What do we apply to our Sunday afternoon? Genesis 1.1 tells us, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Adam saw that. 
He shared that with his kids, his grandkids, his grand great-grandkids, his great-great-great-grandkids, and so on. As we look at this, we're reminded that God has created and, and recorded for us specific details. There are some things that God does not share with us. There are some things that God has not included in His Word. But God has given us, in His Word, everything we need to know. When we get to heaven, there's going to be a whole lot of other stuff that's going to be revealed to us. Like, why did God put the flamingo's knees on backwards? Why is the avocado pit bigger than most of the fruit in the avocado? Those are going to be questions that we have. Why are giraffes' necks so long? Why didn't he just make trees shorter so they could still eat the tops of the leaf of trees? Those are questions we wrestle with. And when we get to heaven, some of those questions will be answered. All of those questions will be answered. Some of the questions we have are answered in God's Word. It's in God's Word that we've got to seek those answers. God has given us His Word so we can know what we need to know. God's Word is accurate. God's Word can be trusted. I have heard people say that this is not really God's Word. It's just men have written this. But my question is, how can we, after so many years, have so many copies of the Word of God. If God didn't protect His Word, it would have never made it through all of those years. Our basement has been flooded twice here at the Parsonage. And there's stuff that we've lost in those floods. The reason we lost them, we had one copy. God protected His Word. God made sure that we would have an accurate copy of His Word all of these years later. Enoch walked with God. Enoch walked with God in a time when no one else was walking with God. Only a remnant walked with God. As you look at all of these generations and the years that passed, many people believe that at the time of the flood, there were probably 7 billion people on the earth. More people on the earth then than there are now. And Enoch walked with God. If God was able to help Enoch walk with, God, with him, what can he do for us? Walking with God is not a Sunday morning appearance only. Walking with God is a lifestyle of pleasing God. Enoch was able to do it. And so can we. So as we go out this week, let's think about Enoch. 
Let's think about what we wanted printed on our headstone. I want more than just born in 1969 and die. I want a walk with God. And even if it's not printed on a, my headstone, because that many letters is expensive, <laughs> I want it printed on people's hearts that know me. He was weird, but he walked with God. Let's pray.